Hi everyone. Hi Hassan. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, we're so happy you're actually our first guest here, and uh, we're, we're we're really happy to have you. Um, given your experience in um, making podcasts and everything, uh, you are of course um, Ala's friend, and uh, I I'm only like we've only spoken briefly, um, and I'm so excited to speak with you uh, on the podcast today. <laughs> Well, hello to everybody who's, uh, I don't know, watching or listening to this. I'm very, very happy to be actually the first guest on the uh, on the podcast and with you guys, you know, to connect with you. Um, like when Ala to- told me about the idea of the podcast, I didn't really think that she actually will go through it immediately a few days after that. So, wow, this is really <laughs> the idea. So that, that's really nice. And, um, you know, it's it's really interesting to see somebody like trying to do something different and something new and like go out there and speak out so i'm very very happy for for the uh, for the idea of the podcast and i hope it goes somewhere very big and very far even even when 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 i heard like when you did the whole advertisement guys you started your podcast i was so excited i was like finally someone a creative someone Sudanese doing something different Allah, I was so happy and and in the beginning we were freaking out in me and Mubashira and then it was either we do this now or we're never gonna do it at all because if we overthink it yeah it was like not going to happen if we overthink and started uh, planning that's why we're just like we have to do it quick and then Mubashira is like tell your friend Hassan tell him what we need to do we were panicking <laughs> for like a good week but then alhamdulillah we were able to make no, that's really nice. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. I'm super proud of you guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was almost, it was almost um, impulsive that when we decided to actually do the podcast. Um, but like we knew that if we thought more about it and if we ran behind um, the sort of like perfection that we wanted to achieve, I, I think um, it would have taken a lot longer, and we would have still been in discussions and back and forth rather than actually doing the real work that involves um anyways so uh you are of course uh from sudan you are an immigrant in um spain i guess yeah correct me if yeah, i'm wrong I'm right now. um yeah so like um I wanted to. We wanted to uh, speak to you about how is that entire, you know, how is that shift, um, you know, and is the Im- immigrant dream uh, still worth it, basically? Oh, well, that's a, that's a quite a big question because um, first of all, it can be answered from so many different perspectives, and I believe uh, if you ask this question to different people, each one will give you a completely different answer. Yeah. Uh, the first perspective, of course, like when you are, let's say, in your ba- back home and you're trying to think about it, you know, going to Europe or going to the U.S., Australia or whatever, uh, you always have that specific image in your head uh, of, you know, how life will be when you're there. And then when you reach here and when you make it after all, it's never the same. That's, that's number one, you know. It, either it's much better or is, it's much worse. Like the, the illusion that we have in our heads, it's actually not the same. And sometimes, I don't know, we pick up these images, I don't know, from the, from the TV or from movies or whatever people tell us, but then we experience something completely different. So uh, for me personally, 
I do believe it's worth it, especially if, if, if I, I had something specific in my head that I wanted to achieve. So when you see some glimpse of success or, you know, things going right after so much struggle and so much, uh, you know, uh, trouble, then you feel like it's actually worth it. But then you have to know why you're doing this. And I think this is the most important thing. You don't want to just do it just because I am living in Europe or I am living in the U.S. That's, that's, that's the worst reason or the worst goal to, to have. You should have like a very long-term goal because making it somewhere in, in, in these countries is not really easy and you'll sacrifice so much and you'll go through stuff that you never thought actually you're going to go through. And sometimes you end up even losing, you know, people or losing, um, you know, stuff that you took for granted. So if the goal is not that big, then it's not worth all the sacrifice, basically. It's I understand because even back home, like we're fed, we're fed this fantasy or this like the dream that we're fed with. Oh, you know what? Even when I was because I briefly stayed in Sudan for like a year and I worked there. And everyone is just like, okay, I'm gonna, when I leave Sudan, you just wait, life is gonna be like this, like this. Like they have this expectation that we don't talk, I think we don't talk enough about it, like the struggles that all of us face when we're actually in such a foreign country, like we have to. The hustle is real. The hustle, like it is so hard and people, even back home when they think that, if I talk to some of my relatives or some of my friends, they think, okay, Ala, she she works there. She she's getting some dollars. Khalas, this is it. She has reached the prime. <laughs> she yeah, has yeah, yeah, yeah. The prime. So it's like it's true in terms of like expectations or this dream that we were we were given or we were fed as kids. Ever since we were little kids, I think we always we had that perception. So where did you think that perception came from? Uh, well, again, you know, it, it always starts with the media. I think that's uh, number one because, like these countries, usually they have, uh, like, of course, they have a very good uh, basic life to everybody, but they have the, the perfect media to, to advertise for it. So whatever they show you in the movies and they show you in the, in the TV shows and series and stuff like this, they show you the perfect things, and they don't really show you everything. So that's what you expect. They so say like, oh, they have everything super nice everything is really clean and everybody's like just you know like they have their 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 first world problems you know just like i don't know is it's gonna take me five minutes to walk or or wait for the metro that's that's really difficult and you compare it to your life and you we are always comparing we're always comparing because sadly like the uh, our country is not is not doing well and i don't know for a long long time you know since the moment we've been born so i don't know the, the image is basically i think it's from the media that's that's for sure and maybe it's also our mistake to 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 always like look for a specific type of media where mm. they do have their own media that criticizes like the life or maybe how people i don't know not, they're not really socially as you think you know mm. compared to our people so we do have our, our also like our advantages you know ahead of them but we don't see that, you know. Maybe we are in the in the in the mess of our own uh, troubles in our countries. We just you know look for anything good outside and just you know get attached to it. What's something that shocked you the most when you went to Spain? Like, is it like was it a cultural shock? Like, what's one thing, an expectation you had that that has completely been shattered now that you live there? Well, yeah. Let's start with uh, something very simple, which is uh, the language. Nobody speaks English here. 
mm. nobody mm. and i like you know I, i went to malaysia before and you know adapting in malaysia was a little bit easier because uh, like they they speak english so when you're lear- learning english it's it's fine you know it's universal language and you can get through with it but here nobody spoke english at all so like the last guy the, the even the, the guy in the airport they spoke really bad english <laughs> and that's what that was the last one who spoke so i said okay. oh yeah okay i think i have to learn the language and that was really shocking but there was another shocking thing and i never thought about it so uh, the english thing i had expectation for it and i was disappointed the other thing is you know the, the hose in the in the bathroom the what how to call the, the hose like the, the, the yeah clean yourself with yeah yeah <laughs> okay 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 the faucet yeah, yeah they, it does not exist in, mm. in this country mm. this <laughs> so bad this is really really terrible it doesn't, I, I hate this. <laughs> it doesn't exist in australia too but i think i got the heads up <laughs> yeah it, it's it's terrible it's really bad every time i head to the bathroom i said like I, maybe i should have stayed in Sudan or something you know like <laughs> I think, yeah. I think that is something even um, like most of the Indians would relate to because we all have uh, a faucet or we have the you know the hose or the nozzle mm. that, you know but uh, I a lot of western countries I think they don't have the entire concept of well basically <laughs> using that yeah yeah um, so so it's all about the toilet paper over there and it is it is completely you know um, unacceptable for for people in the developing countries i think uh, to actually like clean yourself like that Yeah, yeah. I, I did discuss this idea with, with some Spanish friends of mine and I told them, you know, I'm not really like they, they also been always asking me about like, are you adapting well? How's life for you here? And I tell them, you know, one of the things that really annoy me is the, the situation in the bathroom. They say, how so? I told them, like, I cannot really clean myself with water. And they say, well, that's actually very interesting. You know, water will clean you better. Oh, I never thought of it. So, I, come on, guys. <laughs> Obvious. <laughs> All this, Obvious. all this civilization and history, and you never thought about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But like on a, on a, on, a, on a more serious note, of course, mm. uh, like the, so many things actually like disappoint you. Of course, there are so many good things here, but mm. one of the things that disappoint you is like um, um, how to say this in in a, in a good way. It's like you feel sometimes, sometimes you feel like you're very different from everybody. You know, the way mm. you look, the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you express yourself. Uh, maybe a little bit um, a little bit lucky to be in Spain because people here are very very nice mm. and they're really genuinely nice so it's not difficult to connect with them but every time you feel you're different and mm. like religion wise that's number one and then the language and then the way I look the way I talk the way I, it's everything you know so I, I it's like it's very easy to spot me in any kind of crowd any kind mm. of gathering mm. and it, it's a little bit overwhelming sometimes but Yeah, this is one of the things that you never think about, you know, and then you realize it later. Mm. So then even yeah. like when you're talking, because I did have similar experience before I came to the city with, which I'm in now. I stayed in Hobart, uh, Tasmania, which is like a, it's a really small town. It's like a quiet town and everyone, and I noticed like I was the only black person there. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm... <laughs> What is what is happening and people but yeah. like it was sometimes I was met with like good stairs and sometimes the stairs just got really uncomfortable I'm like 
okay, this is getting too long. <laughs> they, yeah. it feels you do you do feel your you're kind of you're very different and you become very aware of like your differences and like culture and whatever it is like so many things I think I had to reflect on um, during my time there. But overall, I like being a, a rare, what is it called? A rare, I'm not gonna say species. I don't know what word to use. I like it because it's like a trump card. I'm like, yo, <laughs> I'm yeah. the trump card in this town. I'm the only black person. <laughs> but it's nice. The it black is community fun, yeah. is very small. It's very small there. Yeah. And then in terms of, um, I wanted to ask something else because in Sudan, um, we have this, I feel like it's very easy for us to say, okay, this is a question I'd like to discuss with you. Because in Sudan, we have this notion that living abroad is like the best possible thing that could happen to someone living in Sudan. Even in India as well. I think a lot of developed countries have that. Um, they, we, all, we all have that mentality. So my question is, but I also feel like as Sudanese people, we kind of, um, we kind of decrease our, I don't know how to say it in English, um, so I'm going to say it in Arabic. <laughs> I feel like our value, put, like we decrease yeah, our value. We decrease our value. We put like we put uh, the Western world like in such a high pedestal, and in yeah. return, we we put ourselves. We always feel like we're not good enough, or we feel like we we we're we're not worthy. We're not worthy of that lifestyle, or we're not worthy of all the things that they have because they're just so great. They're just so amazing. So how do you think like as or anyone or to the youth of, of people who are from developing countries, how, how can we challenge this for them to, to think, to be like, you know what, you're enough. You, like you are, you're, you're doing good, you're amazing. Well, that's a really sensitive and very important question, I believe, because it's one of the reasons that makes you actually go out and leave the country in the first place, you know? Mm. It's like you always wanna join the elite society or, you know, be part of the developing countries and, uh, always when they talk about the first world, you feel like you're part of them finally, you know, and you're not struggling and stuff. But we also should realize that these people did not get civilized or developed until recently, like in the last, I don't know, 200 or 300 years. And before that, it was, it was like another part of the world. And like, this is a, a very natural cycle of life, you know. And this one thing. The other thing is also the definition of uh, civilized people or modern societies. It's also varies so much. Like it's different from like you you see in TV something and then you see here in real life like a completely different life. So the idea of uh, I don't know here like we value our families more mm. than uh, anything. Here the value of family is not that huge. Mm. And this is one of the things that makes me like every I see so many things that I'm always comparing, you know, I'm all the time comparing. So uh, we have so many great values that can we can uh, rely on or build on or feel proud of that these guys don't really have actually. And we, we just like we're always in this, uh, yeah, in this like put these people in the pedestal. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it for sure mm. before coming mm. here. Me too. I was yeah. like, always. The, the, the white people they're the best that we just like learn from them and it's really bad uh, to be honest like uh, I, I do believe maybe we just need to we need to learn about our cultures more our, about our history more and we learn how actually we were actually the great ones at, mm. at some part of history so if we appreciate that more then we just realize that these people are not as good as us one other thing 
and and that I always notice that uh, whenever like I'm, I'm in a gathering or something, and you know, it's 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 a little bit annoying. But every time people are asking you where are you coming from and why are you here and stuff like that, uh, I do realize like they are not as 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 educated as you think they are. Mm. They are missing so much information. They are lacking so much uh, common knowledge, and sometimes you it's your responsibility to tell them this this and that, and. Like they, they, I don't know. Like I feel our life somehow has more goals than theirs. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the struggle makes you, makes you like uh, you know stronger. Makes you uh, look for deeper meanings and stuff like this. You know, I don't know. As a distraction, maybe from all the all the mess we are living in. So you start, you know, looking deeper into stuff. But here, life is easier. It's simpler. You just go to work and you hang out with friends and there's no real problems you go through. Mm. Like I don't know. Like there's nothing no, nothing grief really happens you know so th- mm. for example I've, I've seen how the people dealt with the pandemic here and compared mm. to our, our countries mm. our countries like ah it's, a, it's another global disease so <laughs> we have seen this before and just life life goes on yeah here i've seen people with good jobs you know they they are they having the i don't know they have good relationships with their partners and they're living in very good houses and they're mentally broken down they couldn't handle a problem that happened to the whole world, you know, going through anxiety and depression, like a really grieve ones, not like for you a few days or something. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Sometimes a little bit of struggle can make you stronger in this world. And these people are so white and so, I don't know, fragile somehow. <laughs> so have, you, break. have you ever, because talking about such struggles, like even when the pandemic, uh, when like COVID in Sudan, a lot of people were like, ah, COVID we have lived the worst and what will COVID do to us and it's just like yeah. the same thing in like malaria in Sudan it's such because I, I did get malaria once when I was in Oman and I was the only because they don't have malaria at all in Sultanate of Oman so the officials came to my house they tested everyone in the building I was admitted to the hospital they interviewed like a lot of people it was it was crazy it was this huge scenario and the following year when I went to Sudan my cousin he had malaria and he was just in his room you know it's so normal he lived his life he was and I was like wow (laughs) the difference is vast like you said maybe because for us in Sudan, they didn't really take what is called COVID as such a big issue. Maybe because to them, they have faced worse. Like what worse can, yani, what will COVID do? We have faced yeah, Which is not really a perfect issues. situation, but it tells you a lot about the... Yeah, but I, w- I would uh, commend how in India, I think it was handled uh, really, really well. Um, given the kind of population we have mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's um, we, have, we have the second highest number of COVID cases in which we still but but the kind of population we have it is it is you know um, it is a difficult decision to uh, place that kind of strict lockdown so the lockdown was like you cannot leave at all like if you leave you you are basically facing um, long time fine or if you're endangering a, a, another fellow human uh, you you could also be probably jailed uh, i mean uh, it was sort of extreme as well mm. but um, now everything is easing up um, what i would say is that there's also a lack of um, communication amongst a lot of uh, you know uh, people from uh, underprivileged uh, classes who do not understand what what this is all about so 
like for example i like my maid uh, so the concept of having a maid is still alive in uh, india in very Sudan much as well yeah so she she um, came in a few days back and she was like my mom was sanitizing her hand and she was like no 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 i have sanitized it from home I came, so, but she doesn't realize that she had mm. traveled, and that would risk her life. So she was with the perception that I had sanitized it at home, so it's fine. Mm. So my mom was like, "No, you're supposed to sanitize it again and again after you're traveling um, in public transport or this or that." So and then she started to realize um, that that's a thing. <laughs> so it's surprising. The Indian government, actually, I was quite amazed. They did. I think they did a really good job. given the what is called as you said given the population i was like wow india you showed up <laughs> good job <laughs> yeah i think people in india are very uh, very likely to believe uh, in science mm. like they they put a lot of like how we see in the us like wearing a mask is sort of a political issue uh, which i feel is so it's just crazy over there and i think a lot of asian asian uh, people have a lot of you know um, they have a lot of like you know uh, sort of trust in the sciences behind things mm-hmm. uh, like in japan um, if you have a flu or a cold or like if you're just unwell you by default you wear a mask uh, despite like it's not a govern government mandated thing it's just common courtesy that you do not spread it to other people mm. so uh, for them this is not something new wearing a mask during covid is not something not a new or foreign idea mm. so i don't know why it's so political right now it has the politics is getting crazy <laughs> have you have you been what is it called have you been up to date with the american elections with the us election uh, yes it's not yes. a choice it's not a choice i think <laughs> yeah Yeah. just trust in their faces but it is it is uh, like i couldn't care honestly i like i couldn't it, for me it doesn't i i don't care about their elections nor do i care about what happens over over there in terms of election wise because either way i don't know if you saw this uh meme or this uh, what is it called this uh <laughs> they were mocking it was like arab arab countries will be like uh, it doesn't matter who the president is they're going to bomb yeah, the arab true. countries anyway so yeah. for me i just yeah. <laughs> i'm just like oh it's kind of true so it is true so it doesn't matter yeah well, whoever I've, i've seen another meme i've seen another meme that says uh, like if trump wins he will bombing the arabic countries with a normal uh, aircraft if biden wins he will bomb it with another aircraft that has black lives matter logo <laughs> <laughs> so it's just an image and <laughs> but i think i think locally locally i think it matters reached i think yeah but i think locally to them it matters like the, yeah. the american american politics inside the us it matters who wins outside their strategy is always the same like remember obama and True. who was like one of the best mm. and bush it's not a big difference to be honest like mm. we were screwed mm. anyway so mm. nothing much to do true yeah but I mean, we have to follow it anyway <laughs> how does it in spain what's what's the like um how many like what's a covid uh, number of cases or something if you're aware and well, also like we, how, is it a political issue there as well like wearing a mask or not wearing it or is it mandated and you know how are they taking well let's see how it was taken uh, spain was hit quite strongly actually in 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 march yeah. so 
they completely locked down the country quite fast but then even though uh, with the strict lockdown starting from the beginning of march still the numbers were really really rising the hospitals were overwhelmed and uh, the number of deaths were really high so so yeah it was like a crime to walk on the streets even going to a supermarket you have to justify your where why are you on the street right now and that was really difficult for them as well you know because they are very they're very outgoing people and they go even like life here starts at night sometimes you know mm. you go out until 2 a.m until 5 a.m doesn't really matter so for them to be locked out locked up in houses that was that was tough mm. and uh, so they let's say after all that they passed the first wave and then when they opened back the country everybody wore masks especially in madrid because it was the most hit uh, place everybody was wearing masks naturally like without the government saying it. but then i don't know the government started saying guys you should wear masks i don't know in august when the government said so then people start rejecting the idea <laughs> without the government saying it everybody was wearing masks but yeah because like also the political situation is kind of not really nice in here as well There's so many political parties and they're all disagreeing with each other all the time but it's not as bad as the drama in the us or some other countries somehow manageable so yeah like they have other problems now like now they they passed the second wave actually mm-hmm. we're done with that so the the other problem was like should we lock down the country should we lock down cities so they're they're trying different things every time they lock down sometimes neighborhoods so you're not allowed to cross the street to go to the other neighborhood because they have so many covid cases uh, it's it's handled differently but i do believe it's not bad yeah it could be worse it could be worse how did it affect how did it affect you because like for us i think my family we didn't struggle as much because we're not like we weren't outdoorsy at least my my sister and my brother we're not like outdoorsy type hiking uh, swimming in the lake so it wasn't quite of a shock when they were like okay everybody stay in your houses go out so how how did you manage all these restrictions that were put because of the covid or did it not um, or you were you not based by it well uh, if anybody any one of my friends here in Spain listening to this podcast then I think they know the answer I'm, I'm, I'm super social I really love to be like outdoors the whole time or <laughs> gathering with people so the idea of no you should limit your your, your gatherings or keep a distance I said this is not for me this is really not for me you know and like let's say like I'm working or studying or doing so much work this is a way for me to to relax and, and, and release the stress by meeting people and getting to Uh, I don't know, going outside to gatherings, to events, whatever. I don't stay at home. I don't like staying at home. That's not my thing. Mm. So this was terrible for me. So I'm, I was stuck at home and I, I, my room, I was in a different room. It was a little bit smaller. It was really, really tough. But, you know, you learn how to how to deal with it. But what, what hit me the most is like after a few weeks ago, I got in direct contact with somebody who was tested positive. And that was a completely different story. So I also hope my parents are not listening to this because I didn't. <laughs> Don't worry, you won't send it to them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, they, I, I got contacted with somebody who was tested positive. And I think this was like a, a quite normal case in, in Madrid lately. So because he was spreading again so much. So we can hear everybody testing, tested positive here and there, here and there. So I had to isolate for, for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it, it was not bad to be honest like I think if, if somebody gave me the news in the beginning I said like oh you might have the virus I would panic more mm-hmm. but now I still okay it's just about you know 
relaxing, not going out, saving some money maybe, you know, <laughs> focusing on so so many things that I needed to do lately that I haven't done. So I I don't know. I look at it differently. So maybe maybe we're learning, you know, through these months how to deal with bad news and you know, pandemic and stuff. Maybe. What is something like Subhanallah? Because it is true. Like during like during all this all that's happening right now it was such a learning experience for me like how much as human beings we crave social interactions and it was also it was such i think it, like all of us i valued the social interactions that i have with people and i also valued having time for myself like these are two parts of the coins that i realized i was like okay it's good to be alone at times to like get things done to to better yourself to learn new things and it's also like it's needed we need those social interactions to meet people to to kind of interact which is quite interesting it was an interesting lesson for me during uh covid yeah i think uh, i don't know about mubashara but like in, in sudan we are very social people so i don't know about you guys in india how you guys are into social gatherings and stuff like this but we are really social way too social i think in sudan where like there's no privacy whatsoever you know everybody knows about your life even if you don't want to but that that's that's a sudanese thing in me you know i cannot really deny it i would say i would say india is the same it's the same thing um especially in the city like where i live i live in mumbai so it's it's damn social like you don't find an empty street anywhere <laughs> there are always people somewhere or the other and um also given the given the kind of population we have it is sort of difficult to have that kind of privacy as well like a lot of people live in joint families uh, so that is a big thing and uh, the concept of privacy it's it's almost like it's it's a it's a luxury <laughs> it's not you know not not like all people like maybe the rich have that kind of concept of privacy but i don't think i don't think uh, a lot of the middle class they don't <laughs> yeah so so what about like um in this in this um pandemic and the lockdown and everything i think uh, did you did you uh, find that as a good time for your uh, podcast and you know what you wanted to create and what you wanted to do was that like uh, sort of a blessing in disguise in that way well uh, in a way yes i could say so because as everybody's been saying in the beginning of the pandemic you know it's a chance you have more time you have more free time to do stuff and no excuses but uh i took advantage of that of course but i do believe it's, a, it's also overwhelming for so many people so you are forced to be creative in this time which is also not nice you know not everybody is able to mm. be creative yeah. when they are told to be creative it's it's a moment that hits you you know and start doing it so yeah maybe like the the thing that i learned more in the pandemic is like to to enjoy my own company and and i, I had some other stuff to to get out of the way as well but uh, the pandemic let's say it, it made the podcast good for me i think for other people to listen to it because like it's a chance now for people to discover i don't know uh, new new stuff to watch new stuff to listen to since like they don't have much to do or like they're locked in their houses so that was good for them but i do uh, for me i think uh, like uh, i would i would have done it with or without the pandemic because it happened in a moment uh, if i may tell the story of, of how the podcast started i was watching a, a live stream of a friend of mine 
and he was like heavily criticizing that we're very lazy and we we don't do what we want to do and we're always overthinking stuff blah 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 and i felt attacked like by everything he was saying you know so could you man please stop uh and in that moment i immediately said you know you know what i should i should actually do something right right away uh just to feel good about myself and when i i went through my the notes in my phone i saw the podcast and one one good thing yeah was it's like actually if i produce a podcast right now nobody will really care about the quality of it because it's shitty times anyway but he really motivated me for the idea and actually i recorded the podcast in the same night without even knowing what platform i could upload the uh, the podcast to and with having no topic at the time and no equipment even i said this before i don't have even this headsets to record so i just use my use my phone i went inside the closet and i put myself under a blanket to isolate the noise and start just talking for 20 minutes and then i said oh i think i should i think i should i should find a platform to upload this to you know okay what title should i put this episode what cover art what what could i name it i had zero ideas but i i said this is i think the only way for 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 somebody to start is by just being as spontaneous as possible if you are overthinking stuff sometimes you'll never get stuff done there are planning is always good but uh, too much planning is not good you know so I, i think also this is a very personal thing to everybody how they can push themselves to do something uh, for me i needed that uh, spontaneous uh, unprofessional moment to to make yeah. those uh, 18 episodes of the podcast so far <laughs> I'm I'm so happy you've come so far along. If you say you do not have a headset for those of of, of uh, the listeners or the viewers who can uh, actually are viewing this um, the video of it can see the the upgrade. Yeah. So so that's that's like really happy. I like what you said about um you know not preparing too much. I think that is important. and um also like um what about like the sort of insecurities or you know the thoughts of will people actually like this will people actually want to listen you know did you have any of those you know doubts or thoughts well one one of the doubts uh, which is really <laughs> funny to say is like i don't like my own voice so will people like my voice listening to it you know because it's just a podcast it's very it's all pure audio So that was that was a problem but like few episodes later I I got to enjoy my voice so much to the limit I felt he's a different person and I'm listening just like a like a listener you know like oh he's saying good points oh what the hell was that that's really not not good to say and stuff like this so that's the first insecurity that I overcome is like my voice I got used to it so much now like I do I don't even mind you know like repeating so many uh like audios just to edit them or filter them and stuff like this so that, that that was the number one insecurity that i had to overcome uh to be honest i i never thought too much about would people uh agree with, with me like it or dislike it because all these episodes ideas they they were in my head and in the notes for a long long time i always wanted to do this so i'm actually taking out I, the ideas out of the list The only difficult thing I think uh, or the insecurity maybe could be in inviting people over. Uh, it's a little bit not easy to 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 try to go to somebody who's a little bit famous and uh, and you don't know much you've been just following and you try to approach them and say hey could you come over to my uh, podcast and stuff like this. 
So this was not easy. And for me, the way was to overcome that. Uh, with, this required some planning. Is by making the podcast look professional, even if it's not. And that's like image is also a little bit important along the way. You start learning this kind of stuff. It's like uh, people, how people from the outside are, uh, view it, and you make them, you know, believe that you're actually doing a good job, even if you're not. Uh, I, I do. I don't really like to say this, you know, like fake it until you make it. I don't like to say it. But if it works for you, then then just do it, you know, like doesn't really matter so what i did is like i contacted a very good friend of mine and i can see that uh, also uh, like you guys have very nice uh, arts on on the on the page of the podcast so that's really nice you know so i contacted a friend of mine who does a very good animation and i told him could you please like do a cover art for me for the podcast i said yeah sure and he's done just one and i told him no i don't like it like that i said man you're too demanding so, <laughs> so what i did to him i said look i want the animation to be specifically like the intro of that tv show and so I sent him, I don't know, do you know, do you guys know The Mentalist? Um, you know the Mentalist? No. I've no. heard about it, but I've not, like, I've not watched it. Yeah, so yeah, the, the, basically the, the animation of my podcast is exactly like the animation of The, the Mentalist. Like the, uh, the cover art comes in and then with the shadows and stuff like this. So I told him I want it like that. I said, yeah, okay. And then when he's done it, I was so happy. And... That, that was a very good image to put in front of the podcast. Then I had to work on the content as much as possible. And yeah, like, of course, there are so many other insecurities, but nothing come to my head except my voice and inviting people over. Because I, I invited so many people, actually, and so many of them either not read my messages or read it and left me all read, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or like... Yeah, or like they replied to me like nicely. Sorry, we cannot really mm. make it. So, mm. so this is also not, this is one of the not nicest part of making the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I have to compliment you. Actually, your page and it's so professional. I have to give my hats off to you, Hassan, because it looks so good. It looks like so professional. When I looked, I was like, this guy did he hire a crew or something? He has the <laughs> audio, he has the music, he has everything prepared. It's so good. Yeah, I, this all this kind of stuff also like I, I had no idea to do them uh, in my first uh, episode as well. So after I uploaded the first episode, I said I think I have to work on on, on this extra stuff as well. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just started learning you know basic designing and basic uh, editing. And like at the end, you know, you don't have to do much. You just have to do something that's simple. You know, gets uh, gets the message out there. You don't have to really do the best yeah. idea out there. And you start learning, like even along the way, if you if I find yourself that you know this is not really nice, it, it's okay to change. You don't have to stick to it until the end. Yeah, I would I would agree. That is that is so true. Um, also, like before we uh, end the podcast, I would actually wanted to. Uh, I also wanted to talk to you about. So you have all these jerseys, Barcelona and I Barcelona jerseys hanging on your room. For for those of you who can see, um, he's he's a he's a, basically a Barcelona FC Barcelona supporter, which I am too. <laughs> Viva la Barça! But yeah. um, like the performance of the club right now is so um, bad. I think. Um, also with the recent defeat in Camp Nou by uh, Madrid, um, the El Clasico that recently happened. It was so heartbreaking to watch, especially because I watched it with a lot of my Madridista friends. And um, it was just bad. They they bullied me for a long time. <laughs> so, so, and also like the, 
the position that we are in the in the La Liga um, scoreboard. So, what do you think is the future of uh, FC Barcelona, and how is it going to turn out, especially given the um, all these uh, bankruptcy speculations and all of these, you know, this or that controversies that keep on happening with the club? Well, uh, if if anybody is following the football news and everybody who uh, I don't know supports Madrid or I don't know any other clubs, they're very happy about what's happening to Barcelona. I think Barcelona, like in general, if we start from start from uh, the defeat from Bayern Munich, the 8-2 in August, and then yeah. the following after that with the, yeah. with the with the drama of Messi, will he leave? Will he stay? And yeah. then he's not talking. Yeah. That was really intense summer that we did not ask for at all. And then after that comes, you know, hiring the new manager and the new season started, few good games and then the performance dropped. Then again came the, the drama of the president, will he stay, will he leave? And he was voted out. And it, it's just, it's too much. It's really too much. Like or, like 2020 is already difficult. And we watch football as entertainment to, you know, to distract ourselves. And even football is not... You know, it's not good enough. Like, it's no fans. Uh, it's annoying to hear the vo- the voices of the players scream during the game. Yeah, and then the loss of the classical. Uh, it's 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 yeah. just too much. But I, I do believe that uh, uh, for me, I do believe the Barcelona will 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 get will improve a little bit. Uh, I see I see like uh, the game against Juventus, for example. Yeah, they played was... they played very well. Yeah, they played yeah, really really well. So maybe it's just they need time to to improve. Uh, the problems with the with the with the uh, bankruptcy, I think they are related to the the board. Since now the new uh, the old board has left the club with Bartomeu and all these people, and they are uh, they are like they have their share of the problem. Actually, they're a cause of so many things that happened to the club lately. So of course now with with no management up there, of course the club will struggle financially, and also the the players are not really reducing their salaries. If I'm aware. So the club will struggle until they assign, they elect a new president to the club, and yeah. I think yeah, I think we just have to deal with it. I don't know, I don't know what else can be done. But it, it, I, I gotta say, it's not fun being a Barcelona supporter in Madrid. That's <laughs> like if you, any of you guys, willing to move to a city, check who's the the most common club there and support them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's important. Yeah. That's really important. I'm I'm struggling. Yeah. Like sometimes, it's, sometimes it's difficult the street... to change your legion like that if you're if you're uh, if you grew up with the club. It's like I'm not gonna what? betray the club right now. I'm not gonna. No, but someone. but there's a but there's a trick. There is a trick which is uh, you know supporting Atletico Madrid. So I do that uh, sometimes. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I do support okay. Barcelona, but locally in Madrid, I am with Atletico. So Just like, as a actually, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So actually, I, I went to their stadium. They're really nice people. And we are, we all hate Madrid, basically. So that's something yeah. common. And actually, they're, they, they are more passionate about uh, their club more than the Madrid supporters. So like here in Madrid, the most common supported club is Atletico. And it's like the club of the people. While Madrid yeah. is the club of the, the businessmen and, you know, the fancy rich people. So... So there's one more reason to hate Real Madrid. <laughs> it, it just lagged a little bit there. So I just, I'd like to ask you something else because um, I did listen to your podcast and you have some really interesting episodes. And I think one of my favorite episodes in your podcast is Stuck at Plateau. 
that's I really love that and it was really interesting like you know you just I just get shocked like we need and then I then I come back to Michelle like we need to have titles for our videos we need to do this we need to do that I <laughs> uh, really I didn't know <laughs> This is one of the episodes that I don't like because really? I, I don't I think that. I've done a good job. Yeah, <laughs> I love that episode and I think you framed it really well. And one of my other favorite episodes is how you talk about identity. So how is it that, how have you struggled with your identity? Because I think we, we say that we, we are struggling as third generation kids, like you said. So how, how have you coped with the struggle of, of the identity? In your well, life. I think I'm I'm still coping with it. I, I don't think like I've, I've reached the level where I'm 100%, you know, over that. And I don't know if so many people, I don't know, share the same uh, pain as we do. Mm. But what, like after a long, long, long time, I think one way to look at it is like uh, you are, you are, you are uh, part of this world anyway, you know, d- despite countries or passports or borders or whatever. Like we, these things don't define you. And also one way to look at it is like, Uh, being being from uh, uh, being from a country and raised up in another country and then living somewhere else it, it's actually a rich experience that so many people don't get the chance to to have so like so many people uh, after I don't know, they reach a certain age they start traveling just to gain this experience and they, and they never do because we get it from from in the hardest way possible so if we look at it this way it's like it's actually it's it's a privilege to be honest but I don't know maybe maybe it maybe like you have to struggle with it first to identify yourself who do you represent who do you stand for and then and then you are okay with it so now when somebody asks me uh, uh, where are you from I say well I answer well, I am Hassan you know I'm a collection of all these thoughts and ideas and, and, and cultures and traditions it's all mixed in my own personal uh, you know tailored experience so you cannot really define if, if you say just you're Sudanese you'll get a different image that's not 100% me and if you say you're Saudi as completely not me and if you say just Muslim also does not represent me 100% it's a mix of so many things so you can, the image that you have in your head when you say a name of a country or religion or tradition does not represent a third culture kid because they have their own and and maybe maybe it's time for uh, also third culture kids to learn that in in the age of technology and the age of social media that actually everybody is connected with everybody they were not separated as much before so this is their time actually to shine you know because they already have the knowledge to how to cross these borders without worrying uh, and now with the social media it's the chance so like uh, it's a chance for us to connect to other people from different countries relate to them uh, without even being in their country because we understand stuff differently we always comparing we're always exchanging currencies in our heads and, and also the, the language you know we, most of the third culture kids at least speak two languages if not three or four so it is a privilege that's uh, finally that's the realization that I came to it's it is a privilege more than actually a struggle so even Mubashira as um, it's very interesting you say that because for me in terms of um, because we all all the Sudanese abroad we 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 went basically through a lot of similar things and our parents did play a huge role in trying in instilling the Sudanese in us even though we felt kind of outcasted in both cases but in the indian like i want to address the indian community because for me like i feel like you guys your culture is like 100% wherever you go 
Indian. Like that's it. That's something like I really appreciated as a kid. I felt like your culture is like number one. Like you're still wherever you are. It's something that I noticed is that Indian uh, people. You guys stick to your roots, to your culture. You guys like like stick to the history and to the heritage of your culture. So how was it like for you as well uh, living in Oman? Um. Yeah, so that is interesting. Um, as a kid, I never um, paid any attention to this. But when I look back, yeah, uh, even when we were in Oman or we were in Qatar, we were in any any part of the world. If if I had been, I know for for a fact that if I had been raised any in any part of the world, I would have still been um, as Indian as I am right now, because uh, that that doesn't change um, the kind of cuisine, the kind of like. Uh, the clothes, the uh, the festives, and all of those things—they are—they are quite deep rooted, and I think that also comes with. Um, so we had a lot of, um, we had almost two uh, hundred years of the British Raj over here. Basically, the British uh, ruled um, India for two hundred uh, years, and we ha- we got independent uh, in uh, in 1947. So. Uh, from like from that time on uh, even though the constitution was created and this uh, india became a democratic country and everything the constitution also has a lot of um, cultural aspects in it like it is written down um, and uh, i think that's that's just the beauty of it uh, that's like ensuring that uh, people uh, feel safe to uh, practice uh, their sort of uh, beliefs, their uh, religion, etc. And um, yeah, that's just a beautiful thing. <laughs> it is. It is a beautiful thing, and I think, like, I kind of. Is it? I don't know if you struggled with this, Hassan. But I think what I love because I'm trying to compare both the cultures and like how your culture. I don't think you guys, or did you? I don't feel like you guys. I don't know if I'm generalizing this. I probably am. Uh, if you guys had this had this struggle of identif- identification, or identifying yourself at the end of the day, you just identify yourself as being Indian. I think. But for us, where do you think like the role? Why why is it that some cultures, like there are some cultures that are very strong and very rooted in their identity, and then there are people like us, a lot of Sudanese youth who feel like we don't belong anywhere. We don't belong with the Sudanese because I remember as a kid. When I used to go to Sudan, I used to get mocked, you know? It'll be like, yeah. oh, oh, that person, um, what it's called, they used to laugh at my Arabic, they used to laugh at my English. It, it was like, it was good and bad. There were times where, like, they'll be like, oh, look at my cousin, she came from, like, Oman, she knows English, she, she studies in Indian school. But I do, like, memories, vivid memories of my childhood did fall from a lot of mockery in the Sudanese community. So how do you think, like, what's the importance of, of, acceptance in our culture that that caused these two differences well to start actually uh, I, I don't know why this happens in the Sudanese culture although it's really rich and deep and stuff mm. but we don't mm. we don't really represent it much and we're not as proud of it as you know any other uh, cultures out there maybe because I don't know if you go to Sudan like people there like, you know simple things listen to the uh, to the Egyptian music or Nigerian music they follow the TV shows of uh, Egypt or some other countries that they're not really proud of their own products to start with yeah. so they're I don't know they're somehow denying that that their own people can do a good thing and maybe maybe it's start with that maybe 
but for me yeah we we i said th- i went i went through the same same problems like in saudi they would call me the sudanese kid and in sudan they call me the saudi kid and i don't know where i belong to in saudi i tried my best to to speak their accent you know to 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 nail it and to try to adapt to their cultures and be part of them and i was always rejected same thing i go back to sudan for holidays they make fun of the way i speak the way i dress and it's very easy to spot me as the kid who's coming from outside a lot of mortarabinos we say they say that yeah. uh, so it was not fun at all like there was no vacation basically for us we're struggling here and there you know and it's something that's really unique just for for Sudanese kids that they always go through like this kind of stuff and i do remember that at, at home i remember my dad like doing his best to teach us the 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 culture the the, the vocabulary of the Sudanese the, you know uh, dialect and and to make the house as Sudanese as possible with the decorations, with the traditions, nothing is missed. But the second you open the door and you step outside the door, it's a completely different world. It's like whatever my dad said actually does not really exist. So yeah, there was like deeply, uh, deeply in me, like this problem is like, okay, who, where do I belong and why the Sudanese thing is not as strong as any other culture out there. Although I have to say in Saudi Arabia, there is one, uh, one neighborhood inside Riyadh, it's called Ribera. This is like it's conquered by Sudanese. The, the streets, the cars, the, the way the people dress, the food, uh, uh, the shops, everybody's working, all the customers are Sudanese, which is amazing to be honest. So it's a little Sudan inside, inside Saudi Arabia. So if, I, if you miss Sudan, just basically go there, you drive around, you eat something very authentic and you just feel very happy. And even like if you go there and you see a Saudi, he's the foreigner. It's like, why, why are you here? Are you lost or something? So no, I just want to try your, your meals. So I get out of here. <laughs> stay in here. This is our country. Yeah, but I do believe, you know, like, uh, this one thing that made me happy last year is the Sudanese revolution. Yeah. It was finally a chance for Sudanese people to be proud of whatever they, they do and it whatever is. they produce. And, and yeah. like the, the image of Allah Saleh when it went viral, that made me so 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 happy although inside sudan people were criticizing her yeah. you know, like that that's the thing mm. we're always criticizing we're always mm. blaming like True. she stole the, the revolution why she's the icon she didn't which makes much. no sense yeah it's like she like whatever comes out of sudan at that point is very important like what mm. she did was brilliant until today that image is is just everywhere you know like i do i do remember uh, I, I was at work last year during the revolution and uh, we have uh, some some people inside the office who are really into into uh, this kind of stuff you know revolutions and cultures in africa and stuff and this girl who's spanish she came to me with uh, with her phone and showed me the picture of Allah Saleh, you know standing up and i haven't seen it yet actually and she, she saw it first she said like, is this in sudan i thought well i really don't know i have to check and then i've checked i said yeah this is from sudan so that's how viral it went so we we need this kind of stuff and uh, since then i was I was really, really happy to say I, I am Sudanese. Uh, sometimes some people meet me and uh, they ask me, where are you from? I tell them I'm from Sudan. And there's, I remember one guy, he said, oh, you are from the kingdom of Kush. Hallelujah. We have so much to be proud of, but we, we, we ignore that. So maybe it's our responsibilities now it as, is. as uh, you know, uh, this generation to, to, to promote for Sudan to advertise for it as much as possible because we have a lot inside the country that's hidden and it's not really out there so we can we can do that through our our my podcast your podcast guys whatever like social platform that you have 
we can just talk about it, you know, and put it out there and make, you know, make the Sudanese people proud again, make Sudan great again, as they say. <laughs> yes, um, that's that's amazing. You know, that's something where we plan on touching a lot. Um, cultural uh, cultural differences or even the similarities is such a such a you know mind blowing thing. Um, I think I think with um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think with uh, how you said about like you know uh, going back to Sudan, uh, people not accepting you or saying you're too American or maybe you're too you're too Saudi for us. Um, so that doesn't exist um, in India. People are quite receptive of a lot of like if you stay outside and you come here, oh, all right, you've been there, all right, it's okay, that's fine. Um, so I think that's a difference between Asian and um, African culture, and I think uh, it's because um, in Africa the the migration that happened um, as his, historically the migration that happened was forced um, it was a lot of people were taken as slaves and therefore um, they do not uh, they might not be you know as receptive as someone coming in like someone learning those cultures and coming back to the country um, so I think I think that is a another you know deep-rooted uh, thing that we can we can you know get by the differences in culture yeah that could be actually a good explanation for it okay Hassan I think that's all for our second episode thank you so much for joining us we enjoyed talking to you yeah this was well, just amazing this was an amazing podcast uh, episode and for any of you who are um, who want to check out Hassan it's Hassan Talks uh, or Hassan Dog Talks I'm, I'm not sure on Instagram and yeah. uh, he's also on YouTube uh, hopefully we'll link it in the description when this this goes on live on YouTube um, and yeah, awesome. Please go ahead. Well, uh, thank you, Ala Mubashira, for uh, inviting me to, to your podcast. I'm really, really happy to see, uh, uh, you know, see you guys do stuff like this. I know Allah since uh, the university, I know she always has great thoughts in her mind. And yeah, finally, this is the time for her to speak her mind off. And I'll be, I'll be always following you guys. Again, thank you for the invitation. Uh, I'm happy to, to join you in, on this episode. I'll be looking for the next episodes to, to come out. And yeah, for everybody who wants to check my podcast, uh, if you want to watch it, it's on YouTube. If you want to listen to it, it's uh, on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And yeah, it's Hassan Talks. So thanks again. Okay, thank you guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Ciao.